Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, the CEO of City Current, Jeremy Park. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Park. This is produced by City Current, and we're coming to you from our home studios because we want to make sure that everyone is safe and healthy. And so we're honored to have someone who's a changemaker, not only for our community, but uh, a changemaker in my life personally. You'll know her as a former school system superintendent from Memphis City Schools, but she's also been a big part of New Leaders, and we'll talk about that. And she's the interim president of Lemoyne Owen College. We have with us our good friend, Dr. Carol Johnson-Dean. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Jeremy. It's good to hear your voice, and uh, I'm very excited to be here today. So as I mentioned, you're someone that uh, I've had the honor of working with for a long time and just getting to know you, and uh, that in and of itself has been a pleasure. But I, I love the way that you look at things, approach things, always from the perspective of a teacher, an educator. So let's start with some education for the, the listeners and uh, you know, for those who are listening to this podcast. Give us a little bit, though, of your personal story, where you grew up. Let's start with your childhood. So talk about where you grew up and a little bit of your family. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up in West Tennessee, um, in Brownsville, Tennessee. Nobody hardly has ever heard of it who lives in Memphis, but it's only about 50 miles going eastward Nashville. And it's a small community, mostly rural. And, um, but I had, you know, great teachers, a great opportunity, and uh, ended up going to a Fisk University in Nashville for my undergraduate degree, one of the historically black colleges in uh, Tennessee. And then um, began teaching. My mother was my fifth grade teacher. I'm from a family of uh, eight other siblings, so from a large family. And I think that sometimes being from a large family teaches you a lot of things about how to get along with people how to appreciate diversity and value other people who are different, but also a patience of understanding the needs that students have in terms of their learning. And so I have taught in many places in my career, Minneapolis in Washington, DC. And of course, uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity to serve here in Memphis as a school superintendent in the city schools and in Boston and in Minneapolis as well. So uh, I've had a wonderful opportunity to work in education most of my career. And uh, I was really fortunate, as you know, Jeremy, to come back to Memphis about a decade ago and begin working with New Leaders. And uh, New Leaders is a nonprofit organization with a mission to make sure that we prepare the best leaders to run our K-12 public schools across the nation. And we know that when schools work well, they are led by great leaders. Teachers tend to stay and teach in difficult situations when they are great leaders. And also parents choose schools, sometimes based on that leadership. And we've seen the best progress, both in Shelby County schools and across the country when uh, leaders are well-developed and trained and also have a deep belief in the capacity of poor students and students who don't have a lot of opportunity to succeed. And I think we've been very successful here with new leaders in Memphis. And Absolutely. I've been really fortunate to still serve on the board as you are chair of the board uh, during this period. That's right. So you and I get to still work together. 
share, you know, since we're on the subject of new leaders, offer a little bit more description for listeners because New Leaders is a national organization, obviously working locally here in the Mid-South where we are. And it's both within the, the principles and transforming them and their ability to lead, but also the teachers. And now there are programs that really encompass uh, all spectrums for a school. And so creating system-wide change. But um, give us a little bit more perspective on New Leaders, just so listeners have an idea. So I think what New Leaders tries to do is to broaden uh, the opportunity for leadership. So in two ways, uh, we develop uh, teacher leaders, and then we develop people who want to be principals. And sometimes people think the only person in the building is a school principal, but we build capacity so that everybody in the whole school uh, feels some ownership. I think that if you look at the data, particularly in Shelby County, whether it's looking at the progress that the I-Zone schools have made or the reward schools that are identified by the state, they're disproportionately represented by people who have been trained to new leaders. Uh, we go through extensive looking at all the research on what it takes to turn around schools, and we apply those principles and that research to classrooms so that uh, teachers do their best work and leaders create the conditions under which people can be successful. Uh, and they focus, obviously, on literacy and mathematics, but they focus on also the team building work that's necessary for schools to be successful. And there's so many examples in Shelby County of where schools were not doing well and the superintendent appointed a new leader to that site. And really in a few years, it was transformed into a school of choice where more families uh, chose those schools. And particularly with the high schools, Middle College is one of the only high schools in um, the uh, state, actually, that uh, has been recognized as a reward school. And again, it's had a series of principal leaders and teacher leaders in that school that have demonstrated uh, success, but they've all had training through uh, new leaders. So we continue to partner with Shelby County Schools to train teachers and principals and give them the tools, the skills, the dispositions to really transform schools that have traditionally underperformed. And I think for listeners to understand the rigor that they go through and they are mentored by other principals and teachers. And when you look at, you know, being thrown into a situation of, of being a principal or a teacher, you, you need those support skills. You need to have everybody on the same page in terms of the vernacular you use, how you look at the metrics. So there's so many things that just getting everyone on the same page, but uh, making sure that from both an accountability standpoint, but also a culture of excellence that everyone is working together in unison, but they have those leadership skills to create that culture that's so necessary. Carry that forward on your end, because you look at things, like I said, from a very different perspective and to be able to come in and both assess from a leadership, but also from a teaching standpoint, so many things that I learned. Give us maybe one thing that when you look at the carryover from what you learned with new leaders to how that applies in the community and with businesses, give us maybe one lesson learned that you think is a really good one that kind of broadly applies to everyone. Well, I think that one lesson that I've learned that I feel like transcends no matter where you work, and that is this. While we invest a great deal in leadership, we are also investing a great deal in the leader building a strong team of capable people who support the work. And so the initial investment is obviously because we think leadership matters and leadership is important, but we believe that the best leaders surround themselves with a strong team 
of capable people and then work really hard relentlessly to develop and multiply the leadership in that school. And so I guess I would say that I emphasize that one of the aspects that new leaders continually emphasizes is building capacity across the school and across the entire district. So it's this team effort that has an exponential impact on the overall system and the overall improvement. And um, I think you mentioned before, what happens is great principles teach other principles to be great principles. And in every instance, we've tried to pair a person we're training with a new leader that has already demonstrated exemplary performance. And yeah. so it becomes a multiplying effect where people, you know, you build success on success, but it is built in there with a, a, a focus on teamwork and a team of leaders as being just truly critical. It's not a solo activity, I always say. It really requires the entire choir of teachers and team people to work together. What puts a smile on your face when you look at what you were able to accomplish with new leaders? Well, every time I hear a story about a school in Shelby County, especially, and I look and I see that the school is being showcased for something or another, and then I look to see who the principal is, and I realize, oh, that's a new leader we trained. It really does put a smile on my face. Or if I go into a school and the principal is showing me around and telling me all about the extraordinary work that's going on with teachers and I, and I see the evidence of our work, it just, it does put a, a smile. There's so many things related to new leaders, but every year new leaders has had lots of the principals on the state's reward list. And it's hard to get on the state's reward list. You have to really do exemplary work. All of those examples of seeing principals showcase their work, seeing teachers work really hard and work as a team. I have to tell you, every year it's always been very competitive. Lots more people want to be part of new leaders, want to be you know, trained by new leaders because they see the evidence. And so, yes, that all makes me happy because I know that when people are uh, given the opportunity to be given skills and tools and knowledge, and they're able to use that research in delivering the best for our students, we all will be better as a community and our students will be better learners. Yeah, and I think that's something that you and I have talked about a lot in the past is just raising the awareness. And obviously this podcast is a good example for those who are listening to say, there really is so much good going on and new leaders is a big part of that. And so when you look at creating that change, that culture of excellence, and even the new leaders, alums working together to create basketball leagues and doing all these things, really putting the kids first, it does put a big smile on your face to just know that uh, there are people working hard every single day, but they are lifting the community in very strategic and powerful ways. And so it's a result of these organizations like new leaders pouring in and doing everything possible to be able to help lift. Absolutely. I, I do want people to know one other thing, and in, in that is new leaders would not be possible in this community without strong uh, philanthropic support and corporate investments. And so we've been very fortunate that not only have we had the school district's investments in this endeavor, but we've had really strong corporate and um, foundation support to provide the kind of training that new leaders offers. Absolutely. Very well said. So let's switch over and talk about Lemoyne Owen because this is um, 
a college that you've known very well. You personally served on their board back when you were superintendent with Memphis City Schools. Um, so you knew the organization very well. And then on your end too, like you said, you and your family have a long history with historically black colleges as well. So share a little bit of just, you know, your relationship prior to stepping in as interim president, but talk about your, you know, kind of relationship with Lemoyne Owen College prior to stepping in. Well, Lemoyne Owen College is really a historical college here in this community and really has a long and rich history and legacy of developing leadership and building capacity. Lots of the educators that I worked with in Memphis City Schools had uh, received their undergraduate degree in education at Lemoyne Owen College. Lemoyne Owen College opened its doors in 1862, quite a long time ago. And since then, um, it has really grown and thrived by being a really a place where students, particularly those students who are first-generation college goers, have an opportunity to see themselves go to college. And for them, they needed added support because they may not come from a family that has had a long history uh, with college. And so they need the extra support, the extra boost, the extra attention. Lamorne is a small campus with fewer than a thousand students, and we can provide the kind of intimate and personal setting and support that our students need. Most of our students do come from the Memphis community, and we're located right in South Memphis in the Soulsville area, and so we feel like we are partners in making sure that South Memphis continues to thrive and not only survive, but to thrive in a very meaningful way. We become, I think, an economic place for people to come and get an education. And I think that I feel like there's no more important gift that we can give our community than educating the future leaders of this community and the future workers in the corporations and the community agencies uh, that exist. As I said, most of our students do come from Memphis, but we have students from Little Rock and St. Louis, from Chicago and Nashville, but also from other states, from Delaware and California. But we have a, a few students also who come to us internationally from Uganda or Nigeria, from Colombia or India, and, and some from the Caribbean nations of Jamaica and so forth. So we feel pleased that we have this wonderful array of students. And I would say the most powerful asset that we have at Lemoyne on has to be the wonderful students that we come and who transform their lives through the experiences that they have here at Lemoyne. Share when you look at degree programs and just things that you feel like the public should know about Lemoyne on what, what are some of the top programs? What are some of the things that everyone definitely needs to, to think about when they think about Lemoyne on Well, I know this time of year, a lot of parents are thinking about high school that they're going to choose for next year, even with all that we're struggling with in the community. And so one thing that I do want to emphasize is this. We have a partnership with Shelby County Schools, and on our campus is the Hollis F. Price Middle College High School. So students who come to 9th through 12th grade at Lemoyne can take uh, college courses while they're in high school without paying additional tuition. And we have students who started ninth grade at Hollis F. Price, and then as they transitioned from high school, they came to Lemoyne to get their college degree, and they were able to get it faster and cheaper because uh, there was Lemoyne on there, and there was a high school in a partnership with with, uh, with the college. So 
from a standpoint of parents, if parents are listening out there and they're trying to think about where their child should enroll for high school if they have a choice, then they should consider, you know, the middle college at Lemoyne Owen because that's a place for them to start. We also offer at least one college level course to students at nearby Soulsville Charter High School. So again, Lemoyne is a college, but we're trying to reach out beyond the sort of boundaries of our existing student body to make sure that we create opportunities for students elsewhere. We have lots of students who come uh, interested in technology. Just recently, Lemoyne Owen College was named by the Department of Homeland Security and the National Security Agency as a Center for Academic Excellence for Cyber Defense. And as you know, cyber defense and cyber security are just growing by leaps and bounds as people try to decide how to keep uh, their technology from being hacked. And so um, we're trying to create a roadmap of courses for students so that they can participate in this new uh, area of technology. And then um, we're partnering also with Tech 901, which is a, a local nonprofit, which provides technical skills preparation. So we want our students to both have the technical A-plus Cisco certifications, but we also want them to have the BA or BS degree in computer science or information technology. And we believe that that combination will position them extremely well to work in the corporate community um, that we live in where technology skills are, are really important. I think Lemoyne continues to be a hub for places for teachers to get a great preparation program. And um, we feel really good about uh, the work that we're doing in that regard. I, I will say one other thing. We recognize that not everybody in our community leaves high school and goes directly to college. And some people go to work and they do other things. So we have an accelerated um, program for students who are older. We call it our accelerated studies for adult professionals. These are usually people who work full time or they started a family and now they wake up one day and they decide they want to go back to college because they can't really continue in the career path they want with promotional opportunities without an undergraduate degree. And so we have a night program that really extends to students who might be in that position. And that's been very successful because it builds in the kind of flexibility that a lot of our families need. Uh, we have a strong arts and music program, and so we encourage people who are interested in the arts to think about us, and as well as a strong uh, science and biology program and chemistry program, and obviously a strong liberal arts education in the social sciences. We just recently also uh, received our uh, accreditation by the Accreditation Council for Business Schools and Programs. So for students who are interested in being more entrepreneurial, there's a place for you at Lemoyne as well. Nice. A big part of, especially on the front end, what you were talking about was community collaboration. Carry that forward a little bit in terms of the partnerships and how you approach being able to, one, make sure that you're offering uh, robust programs, but also, two, the relevance, so to speak. When you talk about things like cybersecurity and uh, using technology, obviously that relies on a partnership with businesses to make sure that the curriculum, the path, everything that you're teaching and working with the students on is a real world application so that they can carry that directly forward into a career. So talk about collaborations. You know, that's a very important part of what we do. And I think that we couldn't uh, have a great college without having strong partnerships. And those partnerships helped us build a pathway to careers for the future. Uh, we're very proud of the fact that 
um, we actually host a St. Jude's call center right on our campus. And so uh, our students work for St. Jude's, they participate in their call center, and they've been very successful. And they call and do some of the solicitation calls for St. Jude. And our students really get so actively engaged in wanting to serve in the community that it's really a great experience and so we've just been pleased with the partnership with St. Jude's. Um, Mr. Shadiak has been almost just relentless in his efforts to support our students in any way possible uh, by exposing them to career opportunities. We also have great partnerships with FedEx here in this community and uh, they provide opportunities for summer jobs for some of our students so that again they have an experience prior to going to work that extends in the summer. We work really hard to create internship experiences that will lead students to have practice in the real world of work prior to actually going on to college. So like this past summer, we had a student who um, worked at Citibank in New York. Uh, we had another student who worked at the Harvard University Library uh, because she's interested in uh, library sciences. And now uh, she'll finish up this year, but she's already got, been admitted to graduate school at the University of Tennessee Knox, Knoxville because she's, you know, she had the experience of an undergraduate degree here at, at Le Moyne. She had this wonderful internship at Harvard University in library science. We've had students who worked in um, computers and data analytics working in Boston, and also there was a program that was set up earlier uh, by our former Mayor Wharton that gave students uh, an opportunity to have an internship at the city government level, because mm -hmm. our work is not just getting people in the corporate community, but also in the political and the, the social science areas, as well as uh, in some of the nonprofits. And so we've had students work in that regard. This past year, we had a student who spent most of her semester at the state legislature, and she was there shadowing Representative Barbara Cooper, Representative Larry Miller, who's also on our board of trustees. And I think that it's been those kinds of experiences that are real world that help students transition from the academic setting to applying the knowledge and skills in uh, their settings. We really feel part of the Memphis South community, I would say, South Memphis community in particular. So we have volunteers over at Cummings Elementary School. We do neighborhood cleanup events with Clean Memphis and City Beautiful. And we try to connect our students to the diversity that exists in our community. So our teachers or our, uh, our faculty do a lot of outreach so that students feel, whether they live in Memphis or they live somewhere else, they feel that they're not just taking classes at a college, but they're being connected to the larger Memphis community because we want them to appreciate and value Memphis, but also see um, a major leadership role uh, that they can take in the Memphis community. When you think about the leadership that has existed in Memphis over time, you can think about people like Mayor Harrington, who graduated from Memorial in College and uh, was the first black superintendent, the first black mayor. You can think of the late Bishop G.E. Patterson or the late Benjamin Hooks, who was the first black appointed to the FCC commission uh, at the federal level, Federal Communications Commission. And there are just millions of examples, I think, of people who started out at Lemoyne and who've demonstrated leadership in this community. And even now, 
in addition to uh, Larry Miller and um, Joe Towns, we have on the um, city and county and government, um, uh, we have Mikhail Lowry, who's on the county commission, who's also a Lemoyne graduate. So I think that what we've been able to demonstrate over time is that Lemoyne has a special and unique mission in this community to reach out to partner with our corporate partners, with our nonprofit partners, and also to make sure that our students have experiences that help them to understand their role in service yeah. and being service oriented. Because that's really critical that they come back and they, you know, understand that it's not just about a job, that they have to actually contribute to the, com- to the larger community. I love it. Switch and talk about leadership for you, because I think it can be one of those when you step into a college setting, especially on your end, how did you approach it? So in other words, stepping in and saying, okay, I'm stepping in and obviously there are changes that I want to make, but I've got a a team in place. And so share with us kind of your philosophy, stepping in, maybe some of the goals, but just when you talk about creating a large system change. That can be intimidating, but it can also be a fun challenge. And knowing you, it's, it's a fun challenge. So talk about kind of your approach from a leadership perspective of, you know, your goals and establishing those and getting everything, the, the right team and, and vision and culture to be able to do everything that you're talking about and get where you want to go. Right. Well, as you know, I started out as a member of the Board of Trustees uh, at Lamorna and College, and we do have a wonderful Board of Trustees that's chaired by the Reverend Dr. Christopher Davis, who uh, is pastor of St. Paul's Baptist Church here in Memphis and is also an associate dean at uh, the Memphis Theological Seminary, and he chairs the board. But we have a fabulous group of board members that come from the corporate community, come from the alumni base, and so that helps a lot. Because when you have a strong uh, policy governance board uh, that actually participates actively with every aspect of the college, uh, it's really and truly a blessing. I think that the way I think about uh, leadership is really you have to decide that you're always going to be a learner and that there's so many things that you can continue to learn no matter what uh, job you have. And I've been fortunate. I've worked pretty much my entire career in K-12. So working at the college level is a little bit different in terms of uh, the orientation to the work. But the issues of equity, uh, the issues of listening and being responsive to the people that we serve, particularly our students, Uh, to elevate leadership for students and making sure the voices of students are heard and responded to. Those are true whether you're in K-12, it seems to me, or you're in in higher ed. So I always say I try to hit the ground listening as a leader and try to listen to people who are often a lot smarter and have more experience than I do, and then try to work with them as a team and build a team of people who are committed to a set of values and goals around making a difference in Memphis. Um, there's so, Memphis has so many rich resources and so much potential. And sometimes we forget what a great city it is and how many assets we have. And I think that happens for Lemoyne too, that people forget these assets and so they don't elevate them. But as a leader, you have to remind people that the asset is very critical 
to the survival and the success of the city. And so I, I really um, believe that I have tried to demonstrate that I'm not uh, doing this alone. I'm doing it in partnership with a wonderful uh, group of trustees. I'm doing it in partnership with making sure that we embrace our students and their needs. And then with the faculty and the staff uh, who are very committed and have really served this community well. I guess the other thing about coming in, I think I look for opportunities for us to be more innovative and more creative. And I think uh, one of the best ways to do that is to look for ways in which we can partner with others. Yeah. And um, I'm fortunate because um, in Memphis, there are several other colleges. And I have to say, uh, those colleges have been super in trying to reach out to me. Even uh, this week, I was at a conference call uh, with the president of Rhodes and the president of Christian Brothers University. And we were talking about how we're going to handle certain aspects of, of what we're dealing with as all of our classes are, are virtual or uh, um, are online. And so having that partnership with other colleges in the community makes a huge difference. Uh, we also work closely with the Dean of the School of Education at the University of Memphis, Candy Hill Clark, who also happens to be a Lemoyne Orange graduate. And so um, I think that our capacity to grow and be strong as a college depends on these partnerships, but also uh, making sure that we regularly connect with the larger Memphis community, the larger higher ed community, and find ways for us to uh, partner. Um, I don't assume that I know everything. <laughs> I assume that I'm always going to learn something new. I always think of myself as both a learner and a teacher, and I, I feel like I'm just enormously uh, blessed. I will say one thing about Memphis in particular, and Lemoyne in particular, we have a strong alumni group, and we have a very strong faith-based group. So we have in several of the churches around the community, we have what they call Lemoyne on College Sunday. And we go to the, the, the Sundays, they uh, showcase our students and our uh, music department. And then um, the churches in Memphis are very generous, and they've donated so that we have additional dollars for scholarships and to make sure that we can increase the opportunities for students who have fewer resources to attend college. Fortunately for us, Lemoyne Owen College uh, has the lowest tuition and fees of any of the private colleges in the state of Tennessee. And we're only slightly more expensive for tuition and fees than the University of Memphis, but we are very affordable and so an attractive option for many students. We're doing this right now in the middle of everything. When you talk about the coronavirus and COVID-19, share, because you, you alluded to it before, but share a little bit more of just what that's been like on your end, stepping in and managing this crisis, but also to doing it with grace for the students and your team and trying to um, kind of lead through this, but, but also come out on the other side with light. So share a little bit of just kind of what's going on and some of the decisions you've had to make. Well, I think none of us anticipated the place that we're in right now, but our faculty and our students in particular have stepped up to the plate to really work hard to transition to a virtual remote instructional environment. 
So all of our classes uh, from now until the end of the semester are being done online. And that's true for pretty much all the colleges in the Memphis area. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision, but it definitely was one that we felt was necessary to make sure we adhered to uh, both the mayor and the state's uh, direction and guidance around keeping our community safe. Um, we did have some challenges, though, Jeremy, that I do want to highlight because I think that the inequities in our society show up more in uh, places where um, people don't have as many resources. So we uh, identified uh, through our surveys with students, a number of students who had no computers at home, no internet access at home. And so we had to work pretty aggressively to um, identify resources, both from our alums and at the college, donations that we received so that we could purchase computers for students to just have at home so that they could work remotely. Uh, we had a few students who didn't have any um, internet access at home, and we've worked with Comcast Essentials so that we can create an account centrally at the college that we will be paying for um, their internet access. And so those are things that I think we um, didn't realize the extent uh, we've done a lot of, uh, obviously, additional training for faculty to uh, shift their instructional courses to ones that can be done virtually. And this is particularly more difficult, obviously, with the classes that require uh, labs right. uh, in the science area or other kinds of experiences outside of the classroom. But our faculty participated right away in uh, uh, some both online uh, technology training as well as uh, coming in and sitting virtually but far apart um, so that we could make sure everybody was trained and we could also make sure that students had the technology. Now, some students didn't respond right away to our surveys and so we're still discovering students who are either having trouble with technology because they had a computer at home, but it was very dated. And um, we certainly made uh, room to order new computers, to check out computers, and still to provide technical assistance and support. I think all of us have had to be more flexible and uh, also responsive to students because with school being out, some of uh, our students and families have children at home, as you right. must have be experiencing yourself. And so how do we work around the schedules that are, are best for students as they, um, as they make this change? The other big expense beyond technology and internet access in transportation, because we did have to evacuate our dormitory and we had about 350 students plus in various uh, housing arrangements. And for students who live in Memphis, that was somewhat easier, although we discovered that some students were pretty close to homeless, and we found that some students didn't have airfare to quickly transition to uh, a new location where their families live. And of course, with our international students in particular, they were not able to just get on a plane and fly back to right. you know, Zimbabwe or Nigeria. And so we have been working to have host families for them to stay with. Sometimes they were not in the city of Memphis. And so there were transportation costs associated with that that we continue to work on. 
And I guess just like the K-12 system, there are students who depended not just on our dorms, but they depended on our food service and so um, in the cafeteria. And so we've tried to make sure that we identify ways in which we can support students wherever they are. But I'm sure that there are other colleges experiencing this. We are reaching out to the broader community to certainly support and help us meet this need. Um, we, we will be rescheduling uh, graduation for a day in the future, but we are gonna probably celebrate virtually and try to highlight some of the seniors and their work uh, virtually uh, as we get to May 9th, which was normally our graduation day. And uh, we've had to cancel our major fundraiser, which is our uh, annual gala, which was scheduled for April. And some of these things will be put in October in the next calendar year. Uh, I think one thing I will say that's been helpful is, as I mentioned before, I've been able to talk to other uh, college professors, both in the state and local here in Memphis, and we've shared, you know, whether it's with Tracy Hall at um, Southwest or uh, Marcy Haas at Rhodes, we've been able to share ideas and ways in which we can approach things so that we communicate effectively across the city. And that's really a blessing that I think can get underestimated that how collaborative the Memphis higher ed community is and, yeah. and kind of works together in moments of uh, difficulty. What's been a leadership lesson or something that you've learned throughout this specific crisis? What was something that you've taken away as a, a way to grow? Well, I would say over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. I think that um, when we're in a moment of uncertainty, the most important thing we can do is make sure that we keep the lines of communication open and also provide, it, provide not just academic support to students, but we're in a period of time where people go through emotional distress. And so one lesson learned for me has been how we have to make sure that even as students try to stay with us, that we have to figure out ways to respond to their mental health needs and their their family needs as well. And fortunately, we have uh, good counselors on our team here at the college. And um, we have faculty who are so close to students that they do call and reach out. And so, and sometimes we pick up information, you know, through social media where a student is struggling. Um, our president of our uh, Student Government Association, Sana Christian, and our vice president, Frankie Mills, have both uh, have an eye to the ground, and I would say, and so they continue to send us emails and text messages saying, I heard that this student is suffering or is having difficulty, and, um, you know, that's been a real, real blessing that um, our students are connected, our faculty and our staff members are connected to students in ways that they feel like they can reach out and we can provide the kind of intimate, caring, supportive environment uh, as their family struggles uh, through this. Yeah. Um, I will just add one thing that has happened to LeMoyne. Um, we've been very blessed, as I mentioned before, with absolutely fabulous trustees. But over the last two months, we have lost three of uh, either trustees, emeritus, or uh, trustees. Uh, most recently this week, some people may be aware that Herman Strickland, who is from Pinnacle Bank, 
and has served in this community probably for over 30 years with First Tennessee. He passed away and he was chair of our finance committee. And also Peter Formanek and uh, uh, Jim Gillen um, both passed away in the last month or so. And so the Lemoyne Owen community not only is, um, you know, just reeling from certainly the, uh, the the changes we have to make with the virus, but we've lost really outstanding human beings who have really been major contributors and supporters of our college. And so um, our prayers and thoughts go out to their families, and we are forever grateful for the leadership and service that they have provided to the Lemoyne community. Yeah, absolutely. Switch over. So this is something that we do. It's kind of a lightning round, but just short questions, short answers as we kind of wrap up. Just a fun way to get to know you better. But um, let's start by what's a recent book you've read? Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I'm having our staff read a book that I love. So it's a reread for me. But um, it's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And uh, it's a book about how people multiply talent and leadership. And then it is also about how some people diminish talent and leadership. So it's multipliers versus diminishers. Uh, Another book that I'm reading um, is Children of the Dream. And it's a book about inequality across the K-12 systems and how investments in early childhood, investments in um, creating integrated schools and investments, um, generally speaking, in post-secondary can make a huge difference in um, community outcomes and results for students. So because I'm so interested in early childhood and I'm interested in creating equitable systems and supports and making sure that there's equitable financial investments, um, those books are, are really interesting to me. I have to admit, I'm not a good reader of fiction. <laughs> I spend a lot of my uh, reading time reading. Um, and hey, this that's is all right. Yeah, no, but that's good because it, it shows you kind of your world is that this is your passion. This is your purpose. And yeah. you know, every yeah. instance you're using, you're using it to get better. And I, I, I love that. Yeah. Share what yeah. you like to do to relax. Well, um, I really value and appreciate my family. Um, I have six grandchildren. And so even though I can't see them face to face because they live in Minnesota and California, you know, uh, FaceTiming and talking to them. Uh, I, I am a reader, so I like reading and I like walking. I love music and I love any kind of music. So I tend to always have music on and music around me. And, um, you know, uh, that's one of the things I like best about Lemoyne because it has just a beautiful music culture. So when you have guests in town or family in town, where are some places you like to take them? I guess, you know, I like our barbecue restaurants, all of them, whether it's Central Barbecue or Rendezvous or whether it's... Um, you know, interstate. So I, I might take them to any of those places. Um, um, I'm thinking of restaurants that are like downtown that I like. I like a lot of our restaurants that are downtown and I enjoy uh, Owen Brennan too in, in um, East Memphis. So yeah. uh, we're very fortunate um, to have good restaurants and good eating places all over the place. And I'm hoping that people continue to support um, our places. I didn't mention Jim and Nick's, but that's another barbecue place I like. But um, I gave up, yeah, I'll say this to you, I gave up chocolate candy, which is one of my favorites for Lent. 
And so I cannot wait until Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, so that I can resume uh, uh, my love for chocolate. <laughs> where do you like, once, once we can all travel again, where's a place that you enjoy going? So anywhere in the U.S. or the world, where, where's a place that you enjoy going? Well, I like to go to cities where I can visit their museums. And I, um, last summer, uh, I was in D.C. and um, I did get a chance to visit the African-American um, History Museum. But it's such a large place that you almost need three days to go there. And so I'd like to go back and uh, visit there again. Um, I have been to uh, Paris twice, and I know that they're rebuilding the Notre Dame, and I would like to go back there just to see how the restoration of the beautiful chapel is there, because I, I think that um, that would be just wonderful, wonderful to see. And like everybody else, I, I, um, I enjoy Hawaii, too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's a, either... Um, an inspirational quote or a favorite quote? What's something that you uh, kind of turn to as a quote that inspires you and guides you? Well, I, I actually try to uh, live my life. There is a uh, biblical scripture. It's Micah chapter six and eight. And it says something like this. And what does the Lord require of you? And the scripture says to act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And there's an organization locally here uh, called MICA, and it's all about acting justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And I, I think that if all of us try to act more justly, if we try to be forgiving of people and love mercy who make mistakes, and then if we walked humbly and understood that, you know, we're not here because we're so great, we're here because others have helped us to get where we are, then I think we will all live a better life and serve uh, our community well. And then I, there is a scripture in Jeremiah that I love, and it's this, it, and I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing probably. It says, seek the well-being of the city to which I have sent you, for in seeking its well-being, you will find your own. So those are the two quotes I think that kind of resonate with me and try I try to use it to guide my life. Yeah, that's I love that. As we wrap up, talk about, you know, you you have a long legacy already and you're creating it every single day, but you know, many many years from now, what do you hope that people say about you and your efforts to make a difference not only within our community but within this world of education, this realm of education and just making our world better? Oh, I don't know if I want them to say anything about me in particular, but I do want them to say that we collectively worked hard to make Memphis and our nation a better place for all of our children. And, you know, that's about leadership. It's about learning. It's about, it's about making sure that we do everything possible to help students who might not otherwise have a chance to be successful. Yeah. We'll go ahead and wrap up and uh, tell listeners where they can go to learn more. So if, you know, if someone says, hey, I want to get involved and be a part of all the good going on at Lamont Owen, where would you direct them to go? Website, 
any social media, phone numbers, any of that kind of stuff? Where, where can people reach out and uh, just connect in? Well, they can reach out to Lamorna and College at uh, loc.edu. Our phone number is 901-435-1000. We are obviously remote, working more remotely these days, but uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And we are going to be creating a virtual tour online so that even though you can't actually come on campus yet, uh, you can visit us and hopefully come visit us when it's safe for all of us to be out and about again. Uh, we are very, very proud of our students and we feel like uh, this community has been supportive of Lemoyne and we need you to continue to support our students through scholarships and through making sure that they get supported, particularly through at this time technology needs that they may have. Well, Dr. Carol Johnson-Dean, thank you for all you do for being a change maker, like I said, not only for our community, but for me as well. Greatly appreciate everything you and your team do and uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Change Makers podcast, produced by City Current and brought to you by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To learn more about our guests and share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com or follow us on social media using at citycurrent. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen. Now, think big, start small, and act now. Be a change maker.